He's never told me that story. Uh, before I get too carried away, I'd like to introduce my guest here. This is Garth Richardson, uh, one of the people that I would list as a super producer. Um, you, you, you've recorded so many records that, that are on my CD rack right now, and it turns out some of my 80s vinyl um, we were just talking about. Uh, tell us a little bit about your dad. He had to play a big role in you getting into this whole business, yes? Okay, yeah. So my dad, basically back in 1969, I decided he was going to be an actual record producer. And so he used to work for this advertising agency, and he used to—he uh, was the guy that brought r- rock and roll to, to uh, actually Coca-Cola. So hmm. bought out the actually bought out the Guess Who's contract, and then he didn't tell my mom, but he mortgaged his house to pay for these eyes. So he decided that he wanted to do that. He, he, and since the age of like five, five, I was always hanging out with him in the studio. So it's kind of like he was a major influence on me. And I got to watch some fantastic records, records being made and also being also being a part of them too. So, so it stemmed that from the age of like about twelve, I wanted to do this. Right, he was a major influence to where like I got to hang out with Alice Cooper, the Guess Who, Bob Seger. I got to watch the first Peter Gabriel record being made. So, wow, it was fun. Those are some big names you're dropping oh, well. there. I try. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you actually, I mean, if you if if someone goes to your website and goes through all the records you've worked on, there's a wide array, very different. I mean, you're even credited on a Taylor Swift record for fuck's sake. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. I know. What, how involved do you like to get creatively in a project? Is that important to you? Well, you know what? You got to make sure that you have a singer that, 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 that that's a star. You got to have somebody that you know that when you get your work done, you'll be able to get on stage, or she will get on stage and be able to actually, you know, actually, uh, actually, actually uh, deliver it right. So, so mm-hmm. a part, a part, a part of it, his understanding of the story. Because every record that you're going to be doing, you want to make sure at the end game, there's a huge story. Uh, um, I'm talking to, to, uh, to Devin Townsend about doing, about, doing, about, doing, about doing his next record. You're already beginning to talk about the story, right? So, so, so yeah. Also, just want to make sure that every time I do someone's record, I want to make sure that it doesn't sound like I did it. If that makes sense. It's interesting you say that, uh, yeah, because I was asking if you had like a signature stamp or something. It sounds like you're saying no. You want to work on the project, not so much make it something that sounds like. like um, well, another Canadian who does have kind of signature guitar tones is Bob Rock. So you're kind of a, a, a different approach. Yeah, I'm kind of the Bob Rock. I love Bob Rock, and he's a phenomenal human being. But Bob, Bob has a sound, right? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, as Bob Ezrin has a sound. Uh, he, he, Danny, Lill, Danny Lill, has has a sound, right? So, 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 so I don't like when you put on someone's record. Then the first be sixty bars, you know who did it, right? I want the band to come out, not not the, okay. um, the producer, you know. If that makes sense. 
It does. And so it does seem like you prefer to kind of get somewhat creatively involved so you understand the project then. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Basically, I'll spend like a lot of time just talking and just understanding exactly who they are, exactly what they want to do. A lot of your early credits are listed as second engineer with a lot of 80s hair metal bands. I can run down a handful. Of them. We talked about Keel just before we got on, but White Lion, Helix, uh, Alice Cooper's 80s records, Wasp. <laughs> now, you know what has to happen? What's that? And Garth just walked away. I have no idea what's happening right now. Ah! <laughs> hey, we have to have this on. Uh. I gotta have the hair on, right? Okay. You know, you know it's so thing, you right? kept so, your eighties hair. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of. Yeah. Sure. Um. Yeah. Well, so was that kind of like? Were you into that kind of music? Was that what you were drawn to initially, or was it just because Helix is in Canada? Well, you know what, Helix was in Canada, and happened to come to actually phase one where, like, I was walking out of, and this wonderful human being called Michael Wagner showed up, and uh, Michael was the king. Of the hair metal bands, you know, you know, he did Extreme, oh, yeah. White Lion, you know, uh, uh, Skid Row. So I kind of got uh, pushed into that. I do like metal. I do like the whole sound of it. Um, um, I'm still, you know, I'm still like a Slayer fan. I'm still, you know, what yeah, that kind of metal I dig a lot. But but I remember. I actually did with Michael Wagner was, you know, kind of fun. And there's a lot of hairspray and there's a lot of leather, right? So, you know, you know, you know, I got through it okay. Uh, well, uh, <clears throat> what about like the, the Bullet Boys records? You're involved in those too? Uh, working with, uh, what's his name? Uh, was that Ted Templeman? Yeah, well, well, what happened was I actually did the demos that got them signed because I was finding my feet. And Ted, mm-hmm. uh, Ted came along and heard it, went, this is great. Thanks, Garth. Bye-bye. And I went, okay. <laughs> oh, so you're listed on both records, though, so that you really didn't uh, uh, pull in or anything? No, they used a few of my stuff. And they used a few of my, uh, basically, uh, things that, that we did. Actually copied it, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so the one song, Smooth Up In You, they basically, uh, 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 they basically copied the version I did exactly. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that that was my shaping of the song. And Ted went, "It sounds great. We love it. We're going to do it." And you, you know, you know. And then they all showed up after they did that record. You had all like Corvettes and these fast cars. And then the next record, Stiff. Then they showed up and actually used used cars. Smooth opinion. Well, we were talking a little bit uh, off mic about Kiss. Yeah. Now, you're listed as the, the mixing engineer in Kiss Alive 3. Is that the only thing you would have ever worked with him on? Yes. He asked me to do the next record after that, but my son had a shunt in his brain, and I had to be in the hospital for like a long time, and I couldn't. Well, another thing I wanted to ask you about, you, you produced the Encino Man soundtrack. Uh, now you're frozen again. Encino Man, producing a soundtrack, that seems like a, a much different or, ordeal than a record. Yeah, yeah, that was just, uh, there's a band called, called The Scream, and they were signed to actually Hollywood, and of course Hollywood put out the movie. So they went, you guys should do the song, and they went, really? And then we did it, and of course the song was okay. But uh, uh, Was John Karabi that scream? Yes, John Karabi, and then he and later on went to go sing with Motley Crue. 
which was kind of like uh, what's his name who's uh, with Queen. It just was the wrong fit, you know. Yeah, you know, it's just Adam it's, Lambert. You're talking about or yeah, Paul yeah. Rogers? No, Paul Rogers is a better singer. Adam Lambert is just not Queen. It doesn't, you know, what they could have found someone else. But I get it. Right. Yeah. Whatever. Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers. You worked on Mother's Milk. Uh, any stories from that? You know what? Just that was the first time that John and uh, uh, Chad uh, are in the band. Uh, 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 John is a de- definitely the musical soul of that band. The fact that mm-hmm. he's in the band now he is a great. Uh, Chad, the monster. You know, of course, Flea is a monster. And was Anthony? You know, just just amazingly cool, wonderful people. And uh, would you say the Rage Against the Machine record was that the kind of like your big break as far as how it was received and everything? I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, what was? Uh, could you tell when you were recording that? That was a very different type of record, and it and it came along at the perfect time as grunge was kind of trying to shift stuff away from kind of hair metal. Um, it just seemed like there was a lot of high testosterone, early 20s men looking for something like this. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it took off. Yeah, there was. into That record is actually current now, today. Mm-hmm. Even when the first day uh, 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 that we started, nobody is listening to, you know, actually Warren Cherry Pie going, I'm going to get angst to this record, right? So... So the fact that the Rage Against Machine record, it's going to be 30 year, uh, years old this year, and it's still current. It's still irrelevant. It's still, it still actually speaks the truth, right? So, so mm-hmm. you know what? It's sad that uh, I would have been on tour now, but because of COVID, you know what? He's been pushed back to actually 2021. I forgot they were one of the bands that had a big tour kind of lined up. I mean, everybody, it seemed like, did it this year. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you also worked with one of our, our, our show's favorites, uh, a guy who was instrumental in bringing this show together, Danko Jones. I love Danko Jones. Um, yeah, he's amazing. You know what? Uh, uh, I did their last record. And of course, he, you know, like we talked, we met, and we're, you know, you know, going through songs. And he's a real humble amazing you know guy and then i'm going where the fuck is danko and then as soon as he began singing i went oh fuck there he is like like it's in the microphone he's this incredible incredible front man right mm-hmm. so so i do hope that i get to do the next uh, next record because i do i do want to push them and actually get i get, 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 get that right record that, that, that we all want to hear here, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'm all for it. That was that's one of their better records of recent history. Um, that a rock supreme. Well, so, um, well, how about this? Uh, is is there a record that from your career that um, you think represents kind of you at your best, or even a handful of them? Like, what what do you look back on and would, would hand out to kids at Halloween? Here you go. Well, you know, I'm proud of the Chevelle record. I'm actually proud of actually Biffy Clyro. I just did a record with a band from Holland called actually Kensington. Um, it's called Time, and and those are good. Of course, I do have to say Rage because you, well, that one launched me. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's many. Uh, there's a band that I did called actually Blood Simple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one's that one was fun. 
with the best time in making that record because there's a lot of drinking, a lot of debauchery, <laughs> you know, you know, and that's what, you know, you, you know, you know, how we, uh, I still talk to the, you know, to the guys and it's, you know, it was a blast. What about the opposite end? Is there one that you go, nope, don't even spin it. Don't listen to this. Yeah, there's a few that you kind of go, oh, that's done. Okay, you know what? I'll never have to play it again. But I won't say, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> you know, I can't do that. But there's some that are just like, eh. Okay. okay. Well, the, 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 the main reason I brought you on today was to talk about Melvin's Houdini. It is coming in at number, I think, 16 on uh, Rolling Stone's greatest grunge albums of all time. Fantastic. There is a bunch of freaking production credits on here but well, let's start with you um how were you initially brought into the project well basically from what i understood from buzz when he called me was uh, the fact that uh, uh, uh they did have kirk obain doing it and then kirk uh kind of got busy with nirvana and doing you know like doing all stuff and i came in to do two songs with them off the floor you know from scratch and then we had to go up to Sausalito, I think it was, and actually have it mixed, right? So it's like I got brought in at the tail end of it. Most of it was recorded then? Your your job was mainly as uh, mixing and engineering? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got to produce two two songs. Now you're given more production credit then, then. Are you aware of that? Am I really? Oh, shit. I'm thinking so. Let me just double check my thing. What's it say? Well, Teet and Teet and Hagme are the songs listed as as you producing. Yes. Yeah. And okay, so yeah, I'm sorry. On the actual CD, that is the only two. So. Yes. Um, but you uh you ended up working as a, the the engineer on Honey Bucket, Lizzie, Going Blind. So you weren't you weren't in the studio at all when Kurt Cobain was there. No. No. No, yeah. I, after the fact. Uh, Buzz, Buzz has gone on the record saying that Cobain was kind of out of it at that point, and he really didn't contribute much. And that, um, and, he, and he doesn't say this with any like, um, I don't know, venom. Like he he's happy to have had Cobain involved, but it was largely the record company really wanted to make sure his name was involved. You know, with this there being their first major label record. Yeah, that was like Danny Gold. So he really wanted him involved. I think from what I heard from stories, but I could be lying. Or it's not true. I don't know. It, 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 I mean, you just cut out a little bit. You were saying that was Danny Goldberg's idea, right? Yeah, yeah. I think okay. so. Okay. Right. Could be wrong. Okay, you think so. Yeah, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Uh, it, it just kind of cut up a little bit there, and I, th- I thought it was a key point. Okay. Um, well, well, then, what, what was it like in the studio working with Buzz? I mean, one, they've come up – let me let me rephrase that. They've come up on this list a couple times. And okay. even from their earliest recordings one thing that kind of sticks out is that they've kind of d- dialed in their sound pretty early on even with the really low budget recordings the the drums and and the guitar tone is very similar to what you end up getting with with them even with this uh, major label kind of budget um well you know what we didn't really have they, yeah well, i got i went on to do stoner stoner which you kind of got to do uh, uh the next one. Oh, hooch, uh, hooch? yeah hooch yeah, yeah. yeah, so like our budgets were small. They were really small for like a big record label deal. <laughs> uh, we spent on the two records, we spent 12 days in and out, mixed, finished. We basically would just show up and a buzz would say, okay, this song is like this. And we had three different drum, drum kits set up and we had one with a big gay system. Uh, we have another one with like eight vintage tube mics and then we had another one in a little room. So when Buzz 
would come in to do the songs, you'd say, okay, this song's like this. We go, okay, great. And then we go, okay, let's use this. Let's use this drum kit. Let's let's use this sound. And we did. You, you know what? The great thing the, the the great thing about the Melvins is we we, we, we could do anything. We, we could do whatever the fuck we wanted to do. Uh, one song we did on the on the next record was that uh, we had Buzz sing through actually fifty eight, which went through twelve pedals. And then the pedals went into an amp, and then we put a tube up to the speaker, and then we mic the end of the tube, and that was his vocal. <laughs> right. So, so what, what? What? Do you remember what song that was? That was a long time ago, and there's a lot of weed, weed to go to, right? Well, and their song titles aren't exactly uh, something that <laughs> sticks around. Is you got to kind of pick through it, but yeah, I, I'll, yeah, I have the CD, yeah, so I got to go check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The great thing about about Buzz and and Dale because it's always the Never who's going to be playing bass, right? But uh, 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 Dale getting drums, drum sounds was so easy. You just push up the microphones and kind of go, okay, I'm good, right? Because he, he's a great drummer. And of course, Buzz just knew how to play his guitar, right? Uh, um, I call them actually Slayer of Grunge, right? Because, because they haven't changed. They've always kept to the, their sound. Uh, the one song that we did on the on actually record three, uh, the label wanted Buzz to write like a single. Buzz went, okay, so he wrote. Uh, <laughs> uh, the line was uh, the line, I think was uh, the line was uh, he, 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 she slit the throat of a billy goat and watch it bleed, and, uh, and that was the thing, yep. right. It's like it's just like you know, Buzz, you can do that. Yep. There's your single, right? So, so, so he was always true. He was always he was always true to form, right? He was always good. It does seem like uh, the record label had unrealistic expectations for what the Melvins were going to give them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the funny thing is, Danny Goldberg called me up on the phone and goes, "Garth, Buzz is a lyrical genius." I went, oh, "Okay, you, you know, great, you know." You know, head not to it, right? And then um, uh, when we sang the first line or the uh, the first song, he said, "Hey, Buzz, can you give me the uh, can you give me the actual lyrics for it?" I went, "Sure." And uh, he basically said, "Hit play." So uh, I hit play on the machine, and then the song went through. He said, "Okay, again, please." And he did it again, and then he gave me the lyrics. And I went and I read them. I went, uh, "Buzz, I really have to." I have to say this, but you know what? These make no sense. He says, yeah, I know. I said, you know, you know that Danny Goldberg thinks you are a lyrical genius. He said, it's great, right? <laughs> right. You know, you know <laughs> they didn't make lyrical sense. So he actually sang, because I've always kind of had this burning theory with the Melvins that like he, he kept the melody, but he would actually just go up and whatever came to his head. So he had written out lyrics. He written, written out lyrics like what? Well, was it Tico Tofa Do Re Ma Fo? I think was one lyric, right? You know, you yeah. know, you know. He just he did it so that it sounded really good. Would he right. double any of his vocal tracks? Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. What, what was that like? <laughs> oh, well, great. I, I, because okay, because he knew exactly what he was doing. Right, he was. You know what? Uh, 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 between him and Dale. They were this team that they knew exactly what to do. Dale knew what to play. Buzz knew how to, you know, lead. And it was just mm-hmm. the, the what phenomenal, phenomenal grunge grunge band that has never sold sold out. 
Yeah, well, yeah, pretty much anything. But uh, um, how would how would you describe Dale's drum style? Because it, it's definitely unique. He's kind of like a meat and potatoes guy, right? He just he knows his parts. He plays it. Um, um, uh, he doesn't really play fast, but he just when he when he hits, uh, he's the only drummer that I've ever worked with that his extra ride, his, sorry, his small. The actual smallest crash was actually 20, 24 inches. Right, everything was <laughs> right. His actual floor tom was his rack tom, and then his floor tom was bigger than you know, you know, his bass drum. Right, right. Yeah, he just, but but he just played with confidence. He would he would hit his skins in the center so that at the drums he spoke. He's he he's probably one of those underrated drummers. Because because literally getting sounds sounds from him was easy to do, right? And you touched on the bass player thing that's kind of been a running theme with them. But word is Lorax yeah. is listed as a member of the band on the record. But uh, according to Buzz and Dale, she didn't play a single note on on the album. Do, do, you, do you can you confirm that or? I think I can. Uh, I'm not sure who played on the on the first record. Uh, they had someone else play on the second and the the actual third record but it's like every time i'd see them live or uh you know something else would come out like you know i go oh and they have a new bass player right so so right. i'm not sure why but you know that uh, that happens like a little spinal tap joke there with the drummer but uh, yeah, 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 but uh it's a bass player um right? <laughs> well for them it is uh did you like their uh cover of going blind by kiss yes yeah, 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 yep. Now, yep, did. Now, that was supposed to be on that Kiss My Ass tribute, but they ended up getting pushed aside for uh, Flavor of the Month Dinosaur Jr. I always well, thought that was bullshit because the Melvins were actually fans, and Dinosaur Jr. Well, like, yeah, I, yeah, had nothing good to say about them. The fact that they got Dinosaur Jr. to do it instead or put a song on the record instead kind of sucked, right? Yeah, that's kind of bullshit. But you know, I mean, they they still stayed in contact. I know they they played some shows on the reunion tour with Kiss, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was lame. If this is supposed to be for the fans, here's a band that's an actual fan. You're pushing out of the way, but yeah. Anyway, I don't mean to take a shot at Dinosaur Junior. I don't like them that much, but you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that I thought this was a better version anyway. Yep, true, but, true. Um, well, you already kind of talked about uh, some of the stuff you've worked on. The, 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 are you familiar with the track Pearl Bomb? Because there was kind of an alarming thing to hear when you bought this CD because it sounds like a CD skipping when it starts like was that the intent? Do you have any idea? Uh, which record was that on? <laughs> this is off of Houdini, yeah. I'm sorry. Look, I'm with you with their their stuff. I have to I have the the benefit of listening to this record today, Garth. So it's the second to last track, but yeah, it literally starts out like and I think it's actually a bass, uh, um, uh, a drum part. Right, right. You know what? I had to go back. Back and listen to it. You know, it's been. When was the last time you listened to Houdini? You know what? It's probably been about twenty, about twenty years. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you thinking about checking it out later today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to. I'm have you, 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 like you said, you worked on the next two records. Uh, was that um, why not anything beyond that? 
Uh, because they went into, uh, uh, you know what, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why, but you know what, I did three, and that's a really good feather to have to have in my cap. Yeah. Like, right? You know what? Yeah, I love them both, you know, both, because, again, it's like a bass player every week, but you, they're good guys, and <laughs> you know what, absolutely phenomenal players, so... And that's kind of why I asked, you know, based on the way you're talking about him, it seems like he had a good rapport with them. Yeah. Do you do you stay in touch with either one of them still? Uh, I saw Dale we had a party in actually Hollywood about three years ago. It was at the drummer's house from Tool. Yeah, I was thinking about Joe. I was actually overseas and saw Dale. We, you know, hey Dale, how's it going? You know, how are things? Great. You know, you know, always good. What's on your plate now? I mean, with everything shut down, how are you staying busy? I've been doing renos and just literally just actually just putting in a new bathroom. I'm redoing my control room. And the good news is I'm going to be starting to talk with actually Devin Townsend about doing about doing his next record. But I've been sitting still since March. You know, it sucks. Hmm. You know, it's like I have a few little things that I was going to do. I was supposed to be doing a band in Australia about when COVID hit everything stopped, right? So, right. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of sad. Are, are, how are things in Canada? Is it opening up at all? You know what? Canada, Canada's opened up completely. Uh, okay. We, you know, each province has their own medical doctor that that dictates the rules, rules against the stuff. And ours, uh, COVID, COVID first came here first. And then we've been we've been doing absolutely fantastic, right? Uh, we haven't had any COVID up where like I live since April, so. I don't know if you heard; it's a complete shit show here in the United States. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? It's the best TV show ever. Uh, the actual Trump uh. Trump Trump show is is you know the at the end of season four is going to be phenomenal. You know, let's hope so. At least, well, it depends on what you're rooting for, uh, but. Uh, what? You know, you 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 guys are you, you guys are gonna have a civil war, I think, because he's done everything. That last thing that he did on HBO TV show about you know about talking about John Lewis, I think it was, and and it's like you know like dude, you really should just you you should just quit and just walk 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 away because. He's such a narcissist. He's such an egotistical narcissist, you know. So you guys have your hands full. But you know what? You guys out there, please, please vote. Please vote, you know. Yeah, the worst thing for me, Garth, is that I've always enjoyed, uh, anytime I spoke with a Canadian, uh, taking some cheap shots at Canada. And I haven't been able to do that for a a couple years Clearly, I'm the target. You know what I mean. <laughs> well, you, know, you can't sing that song from uh, the TV show. Blame what's it? Blame Canada, right? You know, blame Canada, right? No, we're good, <laughs> right? But, uh, the scary thing is, I have lots of friends down there, and it's like I've yeah, of course, I've offered my door. You know, hey guys, if you have to get out of the states, you want you, you want to come up here. You know, you, you want live room because what a complete shit shit show. But it's also people that think this is a hoax, right? It's not a hoax. My sister's a nurse. She left the States because she was through SARS. She was through Ebola. And then she said, you know what? I'm thinking I'm going to sit this one out because this one looks really bad. 
Well, yeah, and you know, look at well. I didn't mean to drag it into that. I just uh, okay. mainly just wanted to get you know, well. Um, it's also for the listeners a little bit too. I, I appreciate your candidness on it, though, Garth. I, you couldn't have been a, a more bigger pleasure to talk to. Um, if if it's all right, so maybe some down down the line, I'll reach out to you again. You, you've you've worked on so many records that a lot of times we'll get into this stuff. If it's okay, I'll, I'll shoot you an email, and if you got time, I'll, I'll take it. I'm game. I'm all game. All the best, and and I'll give uh, I'll give uh, Ron Keel uh, your love too. So uh, he told me to to, to yeah. let him know what you said. So yeah. love, 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 he. Hey, what was the last time you would have talked to him? That's got to been a long time, huh? I saw him when when he was a country guy. Hmm. Yeah. You know, he's doing kind of a southern rock thing now. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, he, yeah. I think it fits him better than the '80s stuff, like but it does. it does. Thank you very much for your time again. I'll be in touch. Please do. Peace. Bye, guys. I did see that you had the elder on your wall. <laughs> uh, are you a fan? Well, you know what? I actually played it. You actually played it for the first time and went, you know what? If no one, uh, no one told me that that, uh, that was Kiss, it's actually really good. <laughs>